Hello and welcome everyone to episode 9 of the VGC Trainer School Podcast where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake and I'm joined today by Tony and Sempra. Thank you both very much for coming back. Uh, Tony, what's going on? What's new with you, man? Um, nothing really, just kind of playing around with season two still and just, you know, kind of having fun with it. That's it. Nice. Nice. Well, that's, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think it's going to like open up a lot once we get some like official results and stuff and, um, it's on the ladder so you can, you know, play that a little bit. Sempra, how's it going? Are you back on the showdown? Button? I still haven't been able to play my showdown because of the exams and stuff like that, but now that those are over, I'm going to be grinding, but I'm just trying to understand Series 2. I feel like it took me a lot longer to understand Series 2 than Series 1, so I'm just I'm just trying to get the hang of it. Nice. And you've been playing in some online tournaments, right? Yeah. Very cool. How are those going? Uh, those are fun. I feel like it's 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 funny to go into a ladder, sorry, in, into a tour without any ladder experience, never trying a team out, and then just, you know, the team carrying you. That's That's really fun. Yeah, that is fun for sure. No, I like how it's like Sempra doesn't play ladder, but he top cuts. He's like, oh, I understand series two. I'm just number 24 out of this tournament. That's cool. That's cool. It doesn't hurt. I sold. That, that is good. I mean, that's, that's, that's certainly uh, very impressive. But I think it's also to, you know, you built the team, you have an idea of what you want to do with it. And then when it works out, I mean, that's cool. I think getting to play on ladder and grinding your team out is like half the story, but then understanding your flow charts me understand your team is like another so um yeah for me i mean not not much more um i did join like a very small uh tournament the other day it was uh, a european one which works out for me actually because i was able to do it you know during the middle of the day during during work you know here and there and uh it was like 17 people or something like that and i came in second and that was pretty neat so i felt i felt pretty cool felt pretty good about no, that. congrats thanks man Thanks. Um, I'm jealous. <laughs> it was fun. It was just nice to be able to, you know, play a best of three on on card, you know. But yeah, we have some really great stuff for everyone today. Uh, so let's get into it because we have some news and we have the topic to get into, which is going to be discussing Orlando and some additional Series 2 stuff. So that's going to be wrapped up in looking some at looking at some recent tournaments that have completed, discussing the metas and the teams there, um, what the meta is going to look like going into Orlando, and then a fun segment that we're going to do at the end, a little bit of over-under, predicting what we think is going to happen in Orlando. Maybe some Paradox Pokemon, maybe what Pokemon end up in the top eight, and some team structures, that kind of stuff. So we hope you play along, and uh, as we vote, whether over or under that number, we hope you do the same. But let's get into the news first. So, Tony, do you want to take that first one? Sure thing. Um, so, Orlando Regional will be happening next week, and is likely to have another record-setting attendance. The already large tournament will be opening an additional 124 slots on Monday, January 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you miss out on the initial sign-up, you can try again. Just be prepared for an incredibly intense competition as it will be one day of Swiss. 
Also, I'd like to note that there's no lunch break, so rounds three and four will be extended maybe like 20 minutes. And I wish you all the best of luck because I already know that's going to suck. <laughs> that's insane, right? Like 124 additional people. It was already like 700, wasn't it? Like it's supposed to be bigger than San Diego. San Diego is what, like 600? It was like 750. So now it's going to be like eight or nine. That's that's insane. So you're going to have to sit there because I sat there for 12 hours with 600 people for day one. And that was like, yeah, it starts at nine. Then we left at nine. So this one's probably going to be probably, yeah, hopefully 12 hours. But I mean, no lunch breaks. That's 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 rough. Especially if you got that mirror match, you know, some stall teams, if, if those ever come back. But yeah, that's rough. That, that's fucking rough. And then with that many participants, I mean, Top Cut is going to be maybe X2, possibly even X1, right? Yeah, probably based on resistance too, just like... Uh... Well, you called it though. I mean, they're only going to get bigger and bigger. So of course... Good luck to everyone going. We know that some of the folks here within the community will be there. So we'll certainly be pulling for you to uh, to do really well. Maybe you'll bring back some championship points and maybe more than that. So are you going to take this next one? Uh, yeah. So OCIC, the Oceania International Championship, it, that takes place on February 18th and 19th. It was under heavy scrutiny because it capped its capacity at 200, which is crazy considering we just talked about 900 man regionals. This is an IC, so it's like capping it at 200. But thankfully, they're opening up more slots. It, sorry, my bad. It did another wave already this week uh, on the 17th, 27th. Uh, the issue with the 200 mark is that even if one person didn't show up, the prizes for the championship points fall. And if there are less than 200 players, only the top 32 get CP, whereas 200 or more and the top 64 get cp and cp is the, the championship points to, to go to worlds which is basically what everyone's competing for right and i think to your to your point there as well it's insane that an ic like an international you know tournament has a capacity at what a third a fourth of a regional like that's that's incredible to me it could be fan base related like i don't know how popular the series is over in the Oceania area. Is that how you say it? Whatever. Yeah, this will be Australia, right? I think it's Melbourne. Yeah, Australia. I don't think the 200 is even close to that, though, because Canada has smaller regionals. And last year we had 100, like 120, something like that in Vancouver. And this year it's it's approaching like 400. So we nearly tripled. So like... 200 like even if even if you're low balling is really really low i also saw it suggested that with pokemon go being added perhaps that's taking away some space or some registration ability because i think pokemon go is really big in like japan and china and that area which i think is gonna be a bigger draw for ocic i could be wrong but that was something that was floated out there and i was like i could i guess see that I mean, if you want to see a bunch of people tapping screens, then <laughs> I guess it was still the weirdest thing to see Pokemon Go at regionals when it's like two people like 
smashing the shit out of their screens on their phone. I'm just like, oh, cool. <laughs> All right. I did watch like the finals, I think, at Worlds of Go. It was kind of interesting that they had the like the super moves or whatever that they were using. They had like draw a pattern on your on your phone and they had all of that memorized and stuff. And it was it was kind of neat, I guess. Sorry to interrupt the flow of the podcast episode, but we did have some breaking news that I wanted to make sure got into this episode for the greatest impact to our listeners. First is that Pokemon Home will be undergoing maintenance on February 1st from 8 p.m. Eastern Time or 1 o'clock UTC to February 2nd at 1 a.m. Eastern or 6 o'clock UTC. After this is complete, the mobile version will be updated to version 2.1 and will display ranked battle data for Scarlet and Violet. Also, the next four-star and five-star raids have been announced. And this is the pairing that they do where Scarlet will get one version exclusive and then Violet will get the other version exclusive in a variety of Terra types. Last one, of course, being Driftblim and Miss Magius. This one is pretty spicy. It is for Armor Rouge and Sterile Edge. This will run from February 3rd through the 5th. Now, as many of our listeners know, Armor Rouge is an incredibly viable competitive Pokemon, so be sure to grab it while you can, because evolving it, especially for Violet players, can be a little bit difficult. Some popular Terra types for Armor Rouge, of course, are Psychic for that boosted expanding force damage, Grass Terra, that way you get that water and ground resist while still keeping the Flash Fire, and Dark Terra to resist ghost types and be immune to prankster status without needing that psychic terrain. So be sure to catch some of those, battle in those raids, maybe doing so while you are watching the Orlando stream. We'll see. And now, back to the regular podcast. Thanks. But yeah, that is that is the news. So let's jump into the topic at hand. Uh, first and foremost is Orlando. Everything leading up to this point has been for Orlando because that's going to be the first regional that has Series 2 legal. So, of course, with it brings the Paradox Pokemon. Now, of course, there have been a lot of grassroots tournaments that have popped up online for Best of 1 or Best of 3 for people to test out what Series 2 is going to be looking like. And we've discussed those in the past. So we wanted to cover two that came up recently um, that have really good results and then move into what we think the meta is going to look like in Orlando. So the two that I am referring to, the first one is from January 25th, the Beanie Brawl. The second is from Friday, January 27th, which just, which just concluded uh, prior to the recording of this podcast. And that is the Nino Poke Bros tour. So for the first one for the Beanie top eight, we are looking at the winner was Costa K going 11 and 0, which is very impressive using the what's been coined as the Maluka 2.0, or basically taking uh, GSOC's team from San Diego and changing it up just a little bit. It was Garganacle, Baxcalibur, Volcarona, Meowscarada, Mimikyu, and Sandy Shocks with the, with the addition there. Stab special attacking and speed for. You know, ground and electric is is pretty strong. It also showed up in the top three teams, um, with number two being Ryan 
T.W. Gudra um, running, looks like a bit of a parish trap team. And uh, then the rest are laid out here. Skeledurge pops up twice in the top eight, which is pretty cool. You see one Talonflame, a smattering of Iron Hands, Fluttermane, Iron Bundle. So uh, to you guys, what sort of jumps out to you with this top eight here from the Beanie Brawl? Um, I want to say that the the Parish Trap team kind of sticks out to me, right? So, like, you know, Parish Trap's always kind of been a thing. It's always been there, and it's always been... If someone pulls it off, it's disgusting, and I hate it. But I think... I don't, I, you know, because I don't know anything about this team. I'm just going to take a bunch of wild guesses right now, but maybe the Sandy Shocks on the, the Parish Trap team could be a gravity set. So it could be like gravity hypnosis with like blizzard deliberate. I don't know. You know, this is just wild guesses, but I've seen some of that stuff on showdown ladder. Also, I want to note that number eight has a photograph and I I love it. And it has iron moth. So that's kind of cool. I don't see how they work together, but that guy made it work. Good job, Kirky 014. Uh, what about you, Sempra? So uh, other than what Shinobi said or Tony said, like Parashop is coming back is really huge. I think everyone was like hinting on it because of how how much of a bulky demon. What is that thing called? Uh, Screamtail. Screamtail. How, how yeah. bulky that thing is, and how it just doesn't die. But I guess the other things I noted were um, like number one, how obviously Sandy Shark's coming was really cool. I feel like everyone realized how good ground stab was because our main ground stab in series one was Garchomp, but Garchomp is just not very good in series two. And so we've been looking for something to replace that. And I feel like Tusk was the big replacement. But now, you know, people are showing how how good uh, Shocks is. Just because, you you know, you destroy the balance cores, poison Gargs. And also, where are the Gargs? I feel like Garg was like, everyone was like, it's even better in Series 2. And it just, I'm not saying it's bad. And obviously it won the tournament, but it's just it's just not there anymore. Yeah, I but, think it, it's kind of like a meta call, right? I mean, like if it's going to if it's going to work for you. Um, and I guess it has to be on your team that you're gonna sort of slow down the game at some point if you need to. Yeah. So so Shox is pretty cool because we thought that Tosk was gonna take over, but people showed like Shox as a real contender for like one of the better ground types. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I feel like this is the tournament where people started realizing that you don't need Paradox Mons to carry you. Like the average is like two per team, and in the beginning we were seeing like four per team. It was just you know, it was crazy. Everyone was just using these new toys, but now people are like taking a step back. Like, you don't need a paradox mod for every single situation, right? Fluttermate isn't a replacement for Sylveon. You know, you don't need Iron Bundle for Rotom, stuff like that. Like, we we've taken a step back and we realized these paradox mods are just we don't need to crutch on them. So I feel like this is the tournament that just really showed that. I agree, and I think to use the word crutch, and I think that that's you know pretty appropriate because it did kind of feel, it was like, oh, it's Series 2, you have to have one, you know? But that doesn't necessarily have to be the case, because at the end of the day, the Pokemon exists to fill a role that you need on the team. And maybe exactly. the That's Paradox exactly Mons it. do it, but, like, maybe they don't. Maybe it's not what you're looking for, you know? Exactly. No, that's that's literally exactly what it was. Everyone was like, I need a spread attacker. Let me look at the Paradox Mons first. You don't got to go there first, and people realize that, and then... You know, they realized the old Mons are using Series 1. Some of them are still pretty good, so. Definitely. Um, also, looking at some of the some of the teams that we have here, of course, you know, Amoongus is, is very, very popular as well. 
some of the other mods that sort of are standing out to me. Raichu on a non-rain team is actually kind of interesting for the for the number eight team. What they did with this, it looks like, and it has the ability static. It's an assault vest Raichu with fake out, faint, nuzzle, and volt swish with static. Very interesting. I guess what they want to do with it is set up Iron Moth, Bundle, Goldingo with Nuzzle and Fake Out and Faint to make sure that you're getting through those protects and slowing down the opponents as, as you need, which is... That is that is not what you would sort of expect from a Raichu necessarily. You know, you usually see it there to protect like a Pelipper or your other water type or something like that and then maybe even be a special attacker, but... To give it that offensive stuff with an assault vest, that's, that's pretty neat. I think it's cool. Oh my god! Say the whole team is weird. Everything about that team, just like what the f is going <laughs> on here? It's like you got Iron Moth, which Iron Moth and like Slitherwing were already like, oh, they're cool. How do you make them work? And that was like the question, and everyone just kind of left it there. And it's like, how do you make them work? Oh, let's go look at this thing. But it's like it's Iron Moth, it's Delibot, it's Goldango. I like how Goldango's little sprite just looks like he's dancing. <laughs> it's Brigarath, Static Raichu, and Brute Bonnet, which Brute Bonnet has not been getting as much love as I thought it was, as I'm pretty sure a lot of us thought it was gonna. But I, I wanna know. I like I wish we could just ask this guy, like, hey, you know, what are we thinking? I think the Raichu is pretty cool. It's like, it's another one of those situations like, you don't got to use Paradox Mom for it, but I think Iron Hands on fast teams was like very popular because you could fake out and then with the Assault Vest, you could fit Volt Switch. So you fake out one turn, the next turn you get a slow Volt Switch, get in your other Mon, which is, it's very hard to do on, on fast teams because fast teams are usually not very bulky. So switching is very hard. You're still going to take 60% on the switch anyway, right? It's, it's hard to do that. But Iron Hands enables you to do that because it comes in, it tanks a hit, fakes out, Volt switches out, and now you are set up again. So I, I feel like maybe that's where they were going with the Raichu? It could be. Yeah, Volt switch, you know, is is a great move on Iron Hands, right? It has just great uh, utility. Helps with Paris Trap as well, which is which is neat. So you don't have to be a ghost type to be able to switch out if, you're, if the move is to switch. Something else that I'm noticing is a lack of Armor Rouge NDD in the top eight. Um, scrolling down the list from the standings, you don't see an Armor Rouge NDD core until number 11, number 14, 16. So it seems like they kind of, they did well enough, you know, getting six, they're going like 6-2, just missing out on, on top cut. But I'm a little surprised to not see that pair in the top eight. Do you both think that that's something that we could be seeing moving forward? Or you just, like, because I know that for me, Armor Rouge NDD seems to be everywhere, but these results may not necessarily suggest that it's as successful. It's one of those teams where I feel like it's just, it, it's really good at the beginning, right? Like, Arma DD is the team you want to run when you want to kind of climb up the ladder and then just like get a feel for everything. But I don't know if it'll ever make it you know what i mean like like who was it in series 12 uh calyrex ice rider right it was really good and you could pair it up with a bunch of stuff but it never made it you know what i mean like it's i feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's like it's oh this is a really good core for beginners 
and then you like evolve from that point but yeah it's a menace so it's kind of surprising uh, i think it might be one of those later meta adaptations i feel like people are just gonna get feel for series two i feel like the other standout was like mouse ape that's just been gone i don't know where it went it just it's been wiped out the face of the earth so i feel like people are just trying to understand how you fit those in, in series two yeah, I could see that. Um, and that's actually a perfect segue because I did want to also talk about the next tournament the from Nina Poker Bros. This one had over 400 people. It was stacked. Like the fact that an online grassroots tournament had potentially double what OCIC was going to have is, is pretty impressive and really speaks to um, the Poker Bros' ability to really grow that, that tournament scene now this one was a little bit interesting um compared to the beanie brawl as this was best of one swiss so you had to have a good team for a best of one situation but then also move to top cut if you were lucky enough to get there if you were you know if you earned that spot in the top cut to then play best of three so your team had to be good enough for both of those situations there's a Bunch of different, you know, teams here in the top eight that we definitely want to get to. But really for me, kind of the story of the tournament, everybody was talking about it when I would pop into the various streams of the various, you know, Pokemon content creators that were playing it and live streaming it, was that GSOC just brought their team from San Diego that they won with. Didn't change anything, supposedly. Didn't use any Paradox Mons. So it was still the Baxcalibur, Mimikyu, Garganacle, Meowscarada, Water Tauros, and Goldengo. Was 7-0 at one point. Maybe even further than that. Finished 10-2. and Just missed out on top eight. They finished ninth. Like, that was both a flex, for sure. Because everybody knew exactly what the team was. But also, as we sort of discussed earlier... There wasn't a paradox mod on it. They didn't need it to be able to be very successful and have a strong team that was built. But besides that, you know, again, open up the floor. What stands out to you guys? I feel like for sure it's it's Maluka. I just I don't think that this was necessarily a case of you don't need paradox mods as much as everyone says it was. I feel like this is just this is a team Maluka has been using for three months now, and everyone else is using their teams for a week. And so I think naturally he was just more comfortable. And but then I guess that segues into comfortability is better than paradox mons. Then are paradox mons even that amazing? Like, are they as good as we thought they were? It's an interesting topic. That's true. So if you put it that way, I would argue then that you know obviously the meta hasn't really developed yet, so we don't know. So March, at that point maybe late February, even maybe third week of february i think people will be comfortable enough that they'll be used to having the paradox con so then they'll probably probably just see them like regular pokemon you know because there's always that like aspect of oh it's the new toy i gotta i gotta test it out even when like when if we do get dlc and we get new pokemon that are added to it i'm sure that there's going to be a team teams that are going to come up that are going to be like four or five of built entirely of new pokemon just to try it um doesn't necessarily mean that they're necessarily better than things that were already there. Right, exactly. I think Dozo, three Dozos in top because that's pretty cool. Yes. Or is it? Yes, three. And and Palafin too. Which I was surprised that there wasn't more Palafin earlier, but I guess it made it showing. And also, Burns team is super shy. I love just Burns team. So I feel like 
he kind of perfected Paris Trap or early Paris Trap, I guess. I feel like we can expect to see a lot of that in in uh what is it, Orlando? Yeah. So for for the winning team, uh, it was by uh, Mr. Burns. Uh, they went thirteen two. They had Fluttermane, Arcanine, Gothitelle, Amoongus, Iron Hands, and Palafin. So they had Palafin on a team without rain, which is pretty great. They still it was still running Mystic Water with Protect, Wave Crash, Jet Punch, Close Combat. So some Palafin I know are running Haze, but they opted not to and went with Protect instead. So it looks like with Parasong on Fluttermane and no Dazzling Gloop. So it's only single target moves, which is pretty, pretty important to note. Um, Mental Herb on Amoongus, which is really cool. Keeping Protect, you know, some are opting for Pollen Puff plus Rage Powder, but this one just has Protect, which gives more longevity to Rage Powder because you can just continue to draw them in. You're not necessarily going to die. Safety goggles on Arcanine. This team had just a ton of protects, obviously, because it's gonna be it's gonna be perish. And there's that volt switch on Iron Hands to be able to move in and out pretty freely, especially when that perish song turn gets lower and lower. Very very cool team. And of course, when you're faced up against a Palavin, doesn't matter if it's raining or not, it's still doing a ton of damage. I like Team Two. They have Iron Moth and Brute Bonnet. I don't understand how you use Iron Moth. Can someone explain that? It's it's just acid spray stuff. It's like acid spray with uh, choice specs flutter me. Oh, you okay. acid spray something and then it just dies, resisted or not. Yeah, it looks like... like that's what they did with booster energy. So they're going to be going first. Exactly. But then they still have protect. So they don't need choice scarf at that point. Exactly. Which is... And then it's choice specs flutter me. So the, it's just doing tons of damage. That team is pretty funny because we were just talking about how you don't need paradox mods and then it's just Doza with four paradox mods. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one of the best versions of Dozos you can run right now. It's, I really like the team. Mm-hmm. So for those that can't see, it's Fluttermane, Iron Moth, Brute Bonnet, Iron Hands with Don Dozo, Tatsugiri. It is a choice scarf Tatsugiri, which is which is cool for that late game um, once it pops out of the mouth. Volt Switch again on Iron Hands. I think we've gotten to a point where it's like a necessity. Um, Brute Bonnet, Seed Bomb, Spore, Sucker Punch, Rage Powder. So that's that offensive Amoongus sort of, you know, redirector and Spore user. And this was a Dragon Dondozo. It's unaware. Wave Crash for Stab, since it is Dragon. Or rather, uh, Order Up. Um, get Stab, Order Up. And then Wave Crash, Sub, Protect. Very cool team. Yeah, I could definitely, especially in a best of one, It'd be very difficult to build a team that has an answer for all of this power in a best of one. My favorite's team four. It has the giraffe. I thought That's you said team two is your favorite. No, no, I didn't see team four. <laughs> team four has Fair the giraffe, and that is my favorite now. Now Fair it's enough. my favorite. Fair enough. It also got it also has mouse aid, which that's kind of cool because like, you know, some percent it's it's disappearing, but then it's like, oh, we made top four though. I wonder this... though if that's because of if the best of one for stress. Yeah. Like mouse safe and best of one is incredibly strong. If you don't have something that can break it, it just bulks up in your face and you lose. And then you just I... take a rage fist. I think a uh, lack of rocky helmet too. It, it, that could be a big factor because the Moongus doesn't run rocky helmet as much now. I've seen covert cloak, mental herb. Some Rocky Helmet, I guess, here and there, but like not as much anymore. So I wonder if that's another factor to take in. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like Mouse has been criminally underrated. 
and people have started dropping their their helmets. I don't think I've played very many either. Yeah, it's it's, it's like Citrus, Cover Cloak is the other one, and it's like Mental Herb and stuff like that. But very little helmet. But I feel like it's just I have two opinions. Okay, and they're both very biased. Number one, I think Metal Shape isn't as bad as people think it is. Everyone was like, it's real, it's hot garbage. It's just so bad. Just don't run it. I don't think it's that bad. I think. People just have to run a new Terra on it, and I feel like Terra Steel is the big one that's coming up. I, I think this one is Terra Fire still, though, right? Yeah, it's still Terra Fire. Your, your, yeah. your, your standard, you know... Oh, this one's Citrus Berry, though. It's not It's not Leftovers, which is... Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I feel like Terra Steel isn't coming up a lot, though, uh, and that's cool. And number two, I honestly don't think Best of One and Open Team Sheet is very different from Best of Three. I honestly think it's very similar, and I'm, I'm biased How because... So? I feel like there's very little you can hide. I feel like speed interactions is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. It's like, is my tusk faster than your arc? That's that's a big one, right? You go for very different plays when you know that. But I feel like you're playing a very, very similar game. There is a noticeable difference. There is a noticeable difference. and uh, But I don't think it's noticeable enough where it's like you have to build a team that can win best of one and best of three. Yeah, I feel like a best of three team will just naturally do good in best of one as well. See that's and that and that's something that like uh, when GSOC was giving his team report after San Diego, they mentioned that they got extremely high on the ladder on Showdown, which was you know best of one the entire time. And their argument was, well, if it does well there, then it's probably going to do well in in the tournament. And the logic is sound, right? Because if you are going into a best of three and you know that your team is good enough to win game one consistently. That sets you up for all I got to do is win one more of two games. And I don't know. That also puts your opponent a little bit on their back foot, whether or not they ha- they're they the ones that then have to make adjustments. And the good players are certainly able to come back being down one and win the next two. But for some, you know, they're going to get, they're going to panic. They're going to tilt. And that's how you, that's how you can win. So yeah, I mean, best of one, yes, it saves time, but also it does have its place to prep you for a best of three. I'm I'm a big fan of best of one just because of time saving, but I think that in looking at tournament results that were best of one is just it's it's still a good idea even if it was best of one. Yeah, yeah, I think best of one you just have to play super aggressive. Like it's not like you don't really have too much time to feel it out. So I think uh, you just need to play a lot more aggressive. And I mean that, that's some people's place out anyways is just going in super aggressive right away instead of feeling everything out and then it's open team sheet still so it's not like it's not like oh i have to be careful it's like oh this what he might do cool yeah and uh it's you know that comfort being able to you know understand what your opponent is going to do and be able to counter it game one i think is is good um so yeah these were these were really fun tournaments uh for those that are unsure You can check out play.limitlesstcg.com. They do more than just TCG, obviously, which is a trading card game. They do VGC stuff. You can look for both completed tournaments as well as upcoming ones. There are dozens and dozens of tournaments that are happening all the time at various hours. All you got to do is just sign up. So if you want some experience, go do that. If you're looking for some ideas about what to build around, check out the top performing teams there and maybe get a feel for what those lists are. If you see something that's really interesting, like in the Nino tournament, the 10th place team is Pinkurchin, Iron Hands, 
Choice Scarf, Final Gambit, Star Raptor, Prankster, Murkrow, Farigaraf, and Fluttermane. Like, very cool. You know, I don't know if I'd be able to use something like that because there's a lot going on there, but it seems pretty neat. You just kill something with Star Raptor, and then with Pincurchin, you just say, all right, Iron Hands, go crazy. But it's like that kind of stuff. You know, check those out. You get to get a feel for what's going on out there, and that is going to help you to build for these bigger tournaments, which is what we have coming up in Orlando. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about what we think the meta is going to look like for the next record-setting attendance for a regional. So going into Orlando, knowing what we know now with how these tournaments have played out, how do you guys think it's going to go? What are you expecting to see? You had mentioned on a prior episode, Sempra, that Roaring Moon you didn't think was going to do very well, but then it was on a it was a very highly used mon but now i'm not seeing it in any of these top teams so i'm not sure where that's gonna go and do we see a lot of paradox just yeah let's talk about it it's funny how you break that up when uh roaring was very popular in the beginning i really disliked it now that i've played around with myself and i, I see other teams with it and how they've you know transformed I like Roaring Moon, and I feel like it's going to be one of the more consistent mods in Orlando. I, I really like Roaring Moon, and I, I really like what people have done with it. I really like the new sets they're running, the new terror types they're running. I'm, I'm a believer now. I, I, I completely switched teams, uh, but I think, it'll do, I think it'll do good. Cool. Um, yeah, I've seen some very interesting sets. Like we talked about it last episode, there's the Booster Energy Terra Flying Acrobatic set. I've even seen, I saw a very cool Booster Energy support set earlier today it was like booster energy breaking for swipe speed stuff? what uh breaking swipe stuff yeah breaking swipes snarl roost and tailwind yeah i With i'm not sure about terror. snarl but those those sets are actually really cool like how yeah. how much work they put in so i i'm a big fan of those those sets and i feel like i guess tailwind especially how fast that mod is after booster energy with uh speed i was always a big it has to be attacked. Just don't even try speed. Why would you do it? You know, why would you do anything but attack for this guy? But now I'm trying to see the, the positives of speed and, and how good Tailwind is on that mod and, and how good... I don't think you have to be 100% supportive. Like, I think Snarls is really, really out there. I really like Breaking Swipes, though. And it's it's just really... It's a really interesting mod. Yeah, it is. Because with Booster Energy, giving it that plus speed boost, I mean, that's faster than everything. Assuming there's no booster energy plus speed on Fluttermane or Iron Bundle, you're going to be outspeeding everything at that 119 base base speed stat. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Shinobi? What are you thinking going into Orlando? I, I do think Roaring Moon will make it in top cut at the top 32. I don't think it's going to win it. My guess, if I had to guess, is going to be, I don't know if you'll believe me, but I think Iron Hands might make it. No, um, there's no way. Revolution. <laughs> it's impossible. Like Iron Hands, the worst one. Slitherwing all the way. What? No. Um, no, I, I I do think that Iron Hands is definitely gonna make the top cut. Maybe top probably top eight. You know, let's just be realistic. Iron Hands is probably gonna make top eight. I don't know if it'll win it. It might be on the winning team, but I don't think it'll be the key factor into winning. I do 
think we're going to see a lot of Paris Trap, either the Screamtail variant or the Fluttermain variant, you know, either one. Uh, I think we are going to see a lot of Paris Trap now, though. Um, but I do wonder if Roaring Moon is getting more popular because it was popular, but I think that was just because it looked cool as shit and it was pretty good. But I wonder now if Jody's team, I wonder if Jody's team kind of uh, sparked up like, oh, Salmon's was really good. So it's like, you know, who's even better? Roaring Moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think what's crazy to me about Roaring Moon is it has a higher base special defense stat than Garganackle. Like Garganackle has that's 100 cool. HP and 90 special defense. And Roaring to, uh Roaring Moon is sitting at 105 HP and 101 special defense. Like that to me is insane. Like this thing has a ton of bulk and then with the dragon dark typing, I mean that's perfect against, you know, Armorous NDD. Sure it gets, you know, smoked by a by a fairy attack, but you got Terra Steel or Terra Poison on this thing, and it's it's sitting around for a long time. Let's just ignore its defense. It's regular base defense. I mean, seventy one isn't terrible. Seventy one is bad. A hundred and five HP. HP? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, are you, how much how much HP are you investing though? Are you investing HP? Like, I know that what the the Mac the speed boost booster energy set. It's like two fifty two jolly. But then it's like one, I think it's supposed to be like 187 for the attack. And the, I think you got like 20 investments left for uh, for HP. I mean, you know, you're not exactly, not exactly taking hits. I know? think it's funny because I think, I think in Orlando, people are going to realize it's, it's like the Alecky, the Alecky clause, right? At the beginning, when Reggie Alecky first came out, and, and this is Sword and Shield, right? Everyone's running 252, 252. Jolly or timid, right? There was no no in between. Like, why would you want both on this thing? But eventually, as the season and the series progressed, people ran more and more bulk, less and less speed, and eventually they got like assault vests. You know, you're investing crazy in defense and stuff like that. And so, I think people can realize that putting the majority of your EVs into bulk is just is the is the way. And so, I I think everyone thinks that it's not bulky because it's just. A super effective machine it just gets super effective by literally everything even after terra but when people start running bulk they're just gonna realize how bulky and how long that thing sits around and it gets roost so support roaring moon is actually really interesting i i i think it could run support for sure i think the difference between eliki and roaring moon would be transistor like it did have transistor, so it did. You know, you still got that like kind of like an adaptability boost. But I mean, I I guess I could see it. It's like, oh, you run a lot of hell. You know, you max out the speed, but you could do an adamant nature, so it still gets a speed boost, right? I mean, I could I could see it. Yeah, I mean, it's it is possible, I guess, because it it depends on like what's that speed stat you want to hit after the booster energy because you could make it like you don't have to run 252 speed right like you could make it so it is bulky but just fast enough that maybe it is faster than max speed non-booster energy bundle or something um if you want to hit it with snarl or 
maybe if you want to be able to outspeed something in Tailwind, you you hit that point. But you could just put a lot of a lot of bulk into it because uh, to your point, Sempra, that does seem to be like the natural progression of where things are going, especially when they have Pokemon that are getting introduced in this generation, such as Annihilate, which is incredibly bulky, Dondozo, which is incredibly bulky, Iron Hands, which has an HP stat that is almost you know Blissey levels. And not that much, but still, it's it's incredibly high. Or like King King Gambit or whatever. Whatever you have to be able to have bulky mons to be able to deal with those other bulky mons. So then you're not necessarily putting a, a much into your speed stat because yeah, you want to be able to go a, a little bit faster, but you're still going to be able to stay on the board for long enough and have the, the sustain and the the resistance. Exactly, and I feel like this is the series of bulk. I feel like in Series 1, you could get away with, like, not very much bulk up until Orlando. or sorry, it was San Diego. Up until San Diego, no one was running Intimidate. You could get away with, with very, very little bulk. But I feel like in Series 2, bulk is probably the prime, the, the primary thing, right? Even HO teams are running, you know, Arcanines and Amoongus and stuff like that. Like, that's, and that's unheard of because it's HO, right? It's, you click Tailwind and you click Spread Moves. And yet they're still running bulk. And so I feel like, if anything, monsters can keep bulkier and bulkier. And I feel like, uh, I mean, steering away from uh, what's his face, uh, Roaring Moon, I think we could even get bulkier like Iron Bundles. You know, very little special attack investment, bulky Iron Bundles. Or I, I believe on the we were talking about the Dozo team with four Paradox Mons. Mm-hmm. That Choice Specs uh, Fluttermane is very bulky, and it's not even max speed. So monsters getting bulky in the bunker, and I feel like. In Orlando, that'll just be the epitome, you know. And Iron Hands enables all of that in the end. And I'd feel like we're, I'm getting off course, but like, I feel like everything, including Roaring Moon, is gonna run bulk, and that's what'll make it so good. Yeah, like I, I, I faced a an assault vest Iron Bundle the other day, and like, sure, I mean, fifty percent on top of what it has isn't that much, but it was still able to live something that I didn't expect it to. And that is the key, right? If you can live one additional turn sometimes, that's all the room to breathe that you may need to be able to secure a victory. I think that sums up like my my uh, my guess of what Orlando looked like. And it'll be... I feel like this is not a hot take at all. It's just bulk all over the place. Well, iron hands. I feel like Palfin will come back and that thing will be bulky. Like even the support of Mons, like... Uh, Fluttermane and Iron Bundle, those are start running bulk and it'll just be Arcanine everywhere. And I feel like it'll be a real bulk off. And I feel like Paris Trap is is gonna be one of the biggest enablers of that. And I feel like it'll go very far. Paris Trap specifically, that's my take. Paris Trap is gonna go very, very far. I think Sandy Shocks is gonna be up there. I'm just gonna say it now. I think Sandy Shocks is gonna make probably make the top team. I'm just gonna guess that. Um, but I was gonna say. Do you think Roaring Moon is going to be like the support Dragapult? Where like at first everyone wanted to be super offensive, but then it was like, like after the the Colossal team with Dragapult, and it was like screens Dragapult. You think it's going to be the same thing? That's that's really cool. They bring up and short answer, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, when something is that fast and has great support, even if it is just Tailwind. I mean, that goes a long way for sure. So yeah, let's. Uh, so I'm very excited for Orlando. You know, I'm gonna certainly be watching it 
as I'm sure that everyone will, you know, on, on the podcast. And even if it's just like watching the replays and whatnot, but I did want to talk a little bit about what we think is going to be happening based on some of these over-unders that I have. So I have a couple instances of like some, some over-unders that we could be voting on that we expect to see in the top eight for, uh, for the tournament. So the first one is, and this one's uh, for you, Tony, I'll ask your answer first. Number of Paradox Mons on the winning team, over or under 2.5? Oh, that's tough. You know, I'm going to say that it will be two or less, like for sure. It's going to be like, if anything, it'll be one. That's my guess. Okay. What about you, Sempra? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It'll probably be around. I think, I think it'll be two. I think that's my guess. Do you think it'll be under? I'm going to go over. I think it's going to be hands, bundle, and Fluttermane. I, 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 think, I think all three of them are going are gonna to be on there. Um, we talked about it a couple times. Number of Parish Trap teams we think are going to be in the top eight. Over or under 1.5. So basically, do you think that there's going to be one or more than that? Sembral, you go first. I think I think it'll be over. That's my yeah. take. I'd say around two is a sweet spot. Maybe three. No, three's too much. Three in I the think, top eight. That'd be brutal. Yeah, that'd be a lot. That'd be like overwhelming. But I think it'll be one to two. I think it'll be one okay. to two. And I think two was more likely. Okay. What about you, Johnny? I think one, but I think it'll be like that's going to be the last battle, right? It's going to be like first place is going to be whatever. And then it'll be the fight between Paris Trap and some other team. That's that's my take. I think I'm going to go one. So I'm going to go under as well. Because it's probably going to be... Because Paris Trap is difficult to play. Like, you got to be good. Because good players can just, you know, navigate it pretty easily or they won't get trapped or they know or they have something for it. So I think it's going to be it's going to be represented well in the tournament, but I don't think it's going to necessarily get to the top. So I'm going to say I'm going to say one. I'm going to say under. Uh, okay, highest represented paradox mon. So this will be I'll say for just the top eight. Bundle, Iron Hands, Roaring Moon, or the Field. Tony, what do you think is going to be the highest represented in Paradox Mon? Oof. So I, I want to go with hands, and uh, that's tough because you know bundles everywhere, and bundles is always going to be everywhere. I think hands, but uh, if I had to put money on it, like I'm going to say hands or shocks like i i feel like if you're not going to see iron hands on the team you're going to see sandy shocks just because of the gaining popularity and by that time i think it's going to build up a lot more so mm -hmm. those are going to be my choices okay what about you sempra i think i'm gonna pick the lame answer i'm gonna say it's probably gonna be hands i think it's just i think the reason it's not falling off but falling off in usage in the top tournaments is because it's a hard mod to use. And I feel like the better players are going to realize how to properly use a thing. 
it sounds simple on paper, just fake out bull switch next turn, right? It's mm-hmm. but I feel like the the better players just gonna realize how to optimize the thing. And it's just so disgustingly good. I just can't see anything other than Iron Hands being the most used paradox mod. Yeah, I think I, I think I have to agree with you on that one. I think it's slam dunk for hands to be the highest usage. Here, let's add let's add a little spice to this bet, right? Okay. So do you think it's gonna be Assault vest hands or booster energy hands? I don't think it'd be booster energy, right? Like, I think if anything, it'd almost be like, do you think that it's more likely to be assault vest or not? I mean, I've seen a lot of booster energy also. So it's really? like, yeah, either that oh, or you're running swords dance or belly drum. Yeah, I think I, swords dance citrus is the, the other big one other than assault vest. I love the swords dance set. I think that's so cool. I think, I, I think it's between citrus and AV. I still think AV is going to take over, but Citrus will be close. Yeah. I think Assault Vest will be the most used, but I think the non-Assault Vest will make the top. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good take. I think AV will be the most used, but we'll see like we'll see a ton of other items. That's probably I'm sorry, true. not a ton, but we'll see. People run other items. Yeah. Uh, next one here. The number of Dondozo teams in the top eight. Over or under 1.5? Uh, Sampra, you first. This has to be over for me. I feel like if we don't see two, at least, yeah. I'd be very surprised. Okay. So my okay. guess is over. Tony? Mm, I want to say one. It's like in the top eight, probably two, but like one in top four. Okay. So. Okay. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go over as well. I think people saw, you know, it got its win in Liverpool even though those series won. I think we sort of already touched on it now. I mean, but Paradox Mons, they make it good too. So it's still a very big threat. And I could see it come back. So I'm going to go over as well. Something that has fallen off quite a bit. Number of Goldango in the top eight. Over or under 2.5? Tony, you first. Um, I'm going to say over. And I'm only going to say over if Parish Trap keeps getting more popular, right? Because mm-hmm. Goldango can't be affected by Paris Trap. So, I mean, if it gets more usage because of that, I could see that 100%. Okay. So, I'll, I'll say over. Semper? That's actually very cool. You you may rethink. I was almost 100% going to lock in under. But that's that's cool. If people... It might be like the Tauros, right? The, mm-hmm. the Tauros water of, of Series 2, where it just comes back because something else is so popular. I think I'm going to stick with my gut. I think it'll be... I think two will cut, and I'd be surprised if it was more than that. Okay, I think I'm going to say over as well. Is Golding starting to go through like the? It's starting to pick up the different Terras. You know, it was either sort of like steel or flying, but now apparently there's some like some water Goldengos that are running around, um, which still resists. You know, the mirror make it rain. Um, you know, some are starting to run like power gem like a bunch of different coverage moves and whatnot so i think we're gonna see more of it i think we're gonna go over and last one here for you sempra how many weather teams so basically instead of weather teams how many weather setters in the top eight over or under 2.5 i feel like for the amount of times that something's gonna be over two it the math isn't mathing but <laughs> i think it'll be over Definitely be over 2.5. I think we talked about it before, but we're talking strictly just weather setters. Mm-hmm. And so I think T-Tar is making a big comeback. And I think Torkoal will... I hate Torkoal so much, 
But I feel like there will be trick room teams in the top eight that 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 use that mod. So I'm gonna say over. Okay. Tony? I'm gonna ballpark it, right? I'm gonna say there's gonna be four teams. So like I think it's gonna be fifty percent of the top eight is gonna be weather set weather teams with a weather setter. That seems high. That's that high. seems high, but I mean I think it's gonna be a lot of tor I don't know if it'll be torquil exactly, because you know, like Sepper said, Tyrantar is coming up. Pelipper is still there. So I think I think there will be two Pelippers, a Tyranitar, and a Torkoal. That is my guess. If Obama Snow makes it, I'll fucking riot. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think it'll be between Torkoal, Tyranitar, and, and Pelipper. They'll definitely yeah. be around. I got to agree, yeah. Shinobi. It'll probably be around four. Okay. I'm going to go under. I'm going to say there's only going to be two setters. I think there's going to be one Pelipper team and one Torgal team, and that's it. But yeah, okay, so I'll tally these up, and uh, we'll see how we do once once these numbers come out. And uh, for those that are listening, you know, jot down your answers as well as you're going through, and uh, see how you do. Maybe we'll do more of this as the as the regionals come come by. So yeah, that is going to be the podcast for this episode. Thank you both very much for for coming on and sharing your thoughts and ideas and talking about it. Uh, as always, I have been Jake, Tony, long live the giraffe, <laughs> and Sempra. I, I remember the hate of the giraffe. That mod is garbage. That the blasphemy, this maidenless behavior, the giraffe I slander. I thought it was good. It's garbage. <laughs> this maidenless behavior. I will not accept this. I love the giraffe as well, but I don't know if it's good right now. Right now. You shut your mouth. It is amazing. <laughs> well, time will tell, won't it? All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed. Enjoy the rest of your day. Class dismissed. <laughs>